0: Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports, and this is the USFL Power Rankings 7.0 episode. Logan and Caden will be disclosing their Power Rankings on the USFL and Chill episode, which will be released a little after this, um, probably an episode or two later. I'm not too sure yet, we'll see how it turns out. But week six just concluded, Um, earlier, well, it's past midnight here, so... Um, on the 21st, uh, May of 21st, uh, week 6 finished up, in the USFL's second season, and I'd like to talk about my power rankings and predictions for week 7, um, but also just talk about some stats and some impressive things that I saw this past weekend. This was a really good weekend of football, um, especially for the USFL, really interesting storylines. And week six opened up with the Maulers versus the Showboats at Memphis. Kind of a big game for both teams. They wanted to stay uh, alive. Um, and the Memphis Showboats shut out the Pittsburgh Maulers 22-0. to um, It was a one-sided affair completely all the way through. Pittsburgh didn't score a single point all game, obviously. Then Memphis scored three in the first quarter, 16 in the second quarter, and then three in the third quarter, and then zero in the fourth quarter. Um, This was a very special game because of the record set by Derek Dillon. Shows off elite speed, accounts for 219 all-purpose yards in this game. Um, He had a 109-yard missed field goal return touchdown and it was beautiful. It really was. Let me give you the... Some more stats on the game here. Um, the turnover battle, Memphis won it. They had more completions in the air, more pass attempts in general. Which, you know what? Even if you're not getting good completion percentage, you need to just take shots. And Pittsburgh wasn't doing that all game. Memphis dominated time of possession in this game with 34 minutes to Pittsburgh's 25, and you can't win games like that by any means. And that was uh, Memphis's, uh, Memphis. That was the Memphis Showboats' third game in a row they've won. They're now three and three on the season, and the Pittsburgh Maulers fall, fall to two and four. They're they're nearly going to have to call it quits if they go to two and five. They're not going to make the playoffs. And then the second game on Saturday, which was the 20th of May, was the Birmingham Stallions playing at uh, Ford Field against the Michigan Panthers. The Birmingham Stallions won 27-13. to Michigan fell to 2-4, and four, while the Birmingham Stallions go to 4-2. and two. And this game was very fun to watch as well. Alex Magoo is magic. Um, he is the Johnny Menzel of this league. He had, three t- he had three touchdowns, really efficient in the air, um, just all around their offense. He's their leading rusher. He has 12 passing touchdowns in six weeks, plus the three rushing touchdowns, and I think he has over 200 rushing yards for the team. Now, CJ Marable had 100 yards rushing in this game, and he was very solid for them as well. The Stallions' defense is what really also stood out to me. They're missing Scooby Wright. They're missing some pieces on that defense. But they still consistently keep teams to very underwhelming scores. And the Panthers were trying to drive here and there. But they were just getting shut out in the red zone. Just something to think about. Um, Alex Magoo had just a, a great game. In general, I just... Yeah. Uh, Frank Ginda, the linebacker for the Michigan Panthers, had 18 tackles, one forced fumble, and a half sack in this game. Um, he, He was all over the field. Frank Ginda is a premier linebacker in this league, and he deserves a shot next year on a practice squad. He's been all over, so maybe he wants to be a dominating name in this league. But let me just say this. He is one of my favorite players. I've ever watched. Uh, he is has that grittiness. He's the captain of that defense. He's a tackle machine. Great form, great angles that he takes. He is the leader of that defense. Him and Breland Speaks were wreaking havoc, but they just weren't able to get it done because their offense stuttered. Josh Love had a mid-game. Him and Cole Hicatini, the tight end, have a good connection, but Josh Love misses and has too many error throws. I wanted to see Barriere in there. You know, he was at that QB2 spot, but, you know, they kept Josh Love in, and, you know, he had a good first half. He did. But, you know, towards the tail end of the game, that's when Alex Magoo and the Birmingham Stallions pulled off with the win. And, um, Josh Love, you know, fourth game in a row, they've lost. I don't know when they're going to make that change at quarterback. Um, but they're 2-4 and four now. They can't afford to lose another game. So it's going to be an interesting topic of discussion to see what the Michigan Panthers decide to do going into week 7. Um, but I, again, we'll have to see. And if it doesn't look promising, um, they're definitely probably going to go 3-7 and seven again. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. The, they have the defense... They just need the offensive weaponry. And they have Trey Quinn, who had a sneaky 100-yard game, and he's very good. They have Joe Walker. They have good tight end depth. It's just that quarterback position and some of the play calling from the OC that's the problem for the Michigan Panthers. And if you're a Panthers fan out there, I really hope you give them a chance because they have good running backs in Reggie Corbin and Stevie Scott III, and they really need to utilize them more on the first downs. And, and Get positive yardage off rip instead of going for the big shot or going for a little out route that won't work And then it's second and ten and then you run the ball that loses two yards Then it's third and 13 and then you have to throw a long shot that gets either picked or batted down You can't have an offense that does that all the time They worked a perfect recipe in the first two weeks when they started out 2-0 and and now they've completely lost sight of that they've lost four straight home games I, I don't know what else to say about the Michigan Panthers. I hope they win this last home game at Ford Field, just you know, because they haven't won a game there uh, in Michigan since the '80s, and they need to for their fan base. But I, I just really hope that the coaching staff, you know, pulls their fucking pants up and gears up for next week. I mean, they gotta, they gotta win next week. If they don't win next week, then it's they're out of, they're out of postseason contention. So. I mean, if they go 2-5, and five, they're done. If any team goes 2-5 and five here, they're done. In Week 7, this is going to be the make or break for, like, three teams. Um, now to the third game of Week 6, the Breakers versus the Stars. And this was an interesting game. Um, you know, a lot of penalties called, kind of a slugfest. But the Stars, again, win their second straight game in a row. Case Cookus made some mistakes. He had a really bad interception, but they win. They won the game. They beat the Breakers, and I predicted this prior to these games last week on the pod, if you guys remember me saying. I think that this—I I said these exact words. I think the Stars will replicate what the Memphis Showboats did against the Breakers and win around 17-10. This score—this score— the Philadelphia Star- Stars won over the New Orleans Breakers, 16-10. to The Breakers fall to 4-2, and two, and the Stars move up to 3-3, three and three, so the Stars are still alive. Breakers are still alive, obviously, but they've lost two in a row. They've scored a, co- a combined 20 points in the past two weeks. You can't feel confident about that at all. In fact, if they keep playing like this, they won't win another game. And whoever plays them in Week 7 has a really good chance to either save their season or just continually uh, get more W's in that win column to ensure their playoff appearance but the stars are three and three they're at 500 they looked decent on defense and their special teams unit is just something that is probably the best in the USFL mainly because they rely on them so much Um, but Amani Dennis had a pick uh, six off of McLeod Bethel Thompson McLeod had a rough game two interceptions Still the leader in the passing yard category, but at the same time, it it doesn't matter. You can lead in the stats, but if they're not leading to wins, then I don't give a shit. So, it's one of those things where, for the breakers to get back to where they were, they need to get Sage Surratt, their tight end, more involved, and they need to rely on West Hills, you know, eating carries. You know, they need to rush West Hills and Aaron Jones, their running back duo setup. They need to rush them at least 20-25 times a game. Today, they barely did enough. So I just I wonder what their recipe of success is gonna be and if they're gonna be able to capitalize on the fact that they're still four and two. I still consider them the top three team, top three team in the league. But you know, whoever sees whoever meets them week seven, they gotta be feeling good about that. They're like, okay, breakers are down two losses in a row. Okay, we're gonna capitalize and we're gonna win. Um, but you yeah, know, the stars really have showed that you know, they may not look the prettiest out there. They're not putting up the best stats, but, you know, they're winning these games off of pure grit and love for the game. You know, they're not out there throwing for 250 passing yards. They're not out there rushing for 100 yards a game. But, you know, they're they're doing what they need to do to get points, and points lead to the lead. And if you maintain the lead with good defense, which they have, then you win games. And the Stars have won two in a row using that method, and I can see them coasting into the playoffs in the North because they're the only Northern team that has won a game in the past two weeks. Um, Just something to think about. So, moving on to the final game of Week 6 here, the New Jersey Generals played the Houston Gamblers. The Houston Gamblers won sixteen to ten. The Houston Gamblers elevate themselves to four and two, and the New Jersey Generals stutter down to two and four. I don't know what I'm seeing out of the New Jersey Generals. Their run game isn't developing. It's a little bit of the fact that they did lose all USFL tackle Terry Poole. Um, claimed off of waivers by the Maulers. And you can see their lackluster offensive line play, but they did decide to go with Kyle Laletta in this game. He didn't look bad towards the end of the game, but he just was out of rhythm all first half, and they struggled to get anything going. There was a couple key drops by tight ends by the Generals, which did leave to, like, they left yards on the field. But the Houston Gamblers looked a little weird. Their offense wasn't really clicking um Kenji Bahar had a little bit of a rough game, but he you know, he was efficient with the ball at least, didn't have any bad turnovers or anything, but he was forcing passes. He was just out of rhythm. He didn't play in week 5, so I expected this to kind of be like a, you know, let me get back into rhythm and tempo type of game for him. So, I'm expecting him to have a big game in week 7 for sure. But the Gamblers moved to 4 and 2 and they look really good. There's three teams in the Southern Division that are 4 and 2. So, that's going to be an interesting interesting um d- development there um and then you also got to keep in mind that the showboats have won 3 in a row they're 3 and 3 four teams from one division can't go to the playoffs only two so it's going to be interesting to see what what that's looking like in regards to in a week or so to d- do the stallions fall off do the breakers fall off which Breakers are on trend to kind of fall here, and I'm expecting them to go to 4-3 and three, maybe next week, maybe even 4-4, four and four, and have to salvage their season and go 6-4 and four to get to the playoffs. But even then, I don't know. If the Memphis Showboats catch up to them by then and get a win on them, breakers are out. But I really expect the Gamblers and Stallions to be playing in the uh, Southern playoff uh, game. So just something to keep your eye on. In the North, that's a little more hard to predict, but I'm expecting the Stars and probably... I don't know. Every Northern team looked fucking terrible um, this past weekend other than the Stars, and the Stars didn't even look that good. They just won the game. So there might be a legitimate talent and uh, coaching um, skill drop off between these two divisions because... The South is just hand like miles better than the North. Like, just just think about this. Breakers four and two, Gamblers four and two, stallions four and two, showboats three and three. Philadelphia Stars three and three. Maulers two and four. Panthers two and four. Generals two and four. I don't know what to make of it. The fact that the Stars have the record of the Southern Division's worst team that may not even make the playoffs and the showboats have been showing some promise to me. And I'm really excited about them going into week 7, which I will give my predictions on towards the end of the episode for sure. But I do want to give my power rankings based on what I've seen through these six weeks of football. And if you guys are curious why this episode... Like, the 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 number is one ahead of the week. It's mainly because I started one week ahead of the season, giving my predictions. So 1.0 be, came out before week one. So just something to give you reference on. But my power rankings going into week seven, after week six here, after what I've seen, I'm going to go Birmingham Stallions at one, Houston Gamblers at two, New Orleans Breakers, excuse me, the Philadelphia Stars at three, New Orleans Breakers at four, Memphis Showboats at five, New Jersey Generals at six, Pittsburgh Maulers at seven, and Michigan Panthers at eight. Um, I just think that makes logical sense. I can't put this I, I can't put the Breakers over the stars because the Breakers just lost to the Stars and the, the Stars are the best in their division. And the Breakers are uh, not—they're tied for best in their division, but they just got beat by them. So I can't—I can't put the Breakers over the Stars because they just got beat by them. And I know it wasn't a convincing win, but it was still a win. I can't—I can't do that. Like that just defeats the entire purpose of the rankings. The Stars just proved that they're a better team than the Breakers. So every team that has beaten the Stars can theoretically beat the Breakers. So that's why I'm, I'm going to move the breakers down to that four spot. Um, and then the showboats just, they deserve to be at five. I would put them at four, but they're three and three and the breakers are four and two. So there's still a difference. But if the showboats can get to a four and three, if they can go for, get to four and three after week seven and the breakers fall to four and three, I think the breakers are the worst team in the South. And that is like, like that's hard to even say. It just goes to show you how good the Southern Division in the USFL is. Um, but briefly, I would like to shout out the player of the week um, that I voted for in every category, which is on Twitter, and you guys can vote for this player of the week in on offense, defense, and special teams every week on the USFL uh, account on Twitter with a poll. I voted for Frank Ginda for defensive player of the week. I just think he was a dog. Right now he's tied up with uh, Kayaba Um And then for special teams player of the week, I obviously voted for kick returner Derek, uh, Deric or Derek Dillon. He's taking the lead there for sure. He's going to be that. He's going to get that award. Then offensive player of the week, I voted for Alex Magoo because he went off, guys. He was 19 of 24 completions, 133 passing yards. 82 rushing touchdowns and three touchdowns total respectable nods wide receiver Trey Quinn for the Michigan Panthers seven catches 108 yards wide receiver Corey Coleman for the Philadelphia Stars six catches 76 yards 12.7 yards per catch and then running back Mark Thompson for the Houston Gamblers 88 rushing yards and one touchdown and then for special teams I would like to just shout out obviously these guys as well uh Kick returner Derek Dillon, 2 returns for 158 yards, kick 6 return, touchdown. And then kicker Nick Vogel, 3 for 3, 38 long, 10 points. Kick returner Eli Stove, 5 returns, 129 yards, and a 35 long. Kicker Luis Aguilar, 3 of 4, with 10 total points. And then for the defensive side, linebacker Keava Tizino with 16 tackles, 11 solo tackles, 2 tackles for loss. Lineba- and then Kayaba Tizino plays for the Pittsburgh Maulers linebacker. Linebacker Frank Ginda for the Michigan Panthers, 18 tackles, a half sack, and a forced fumble. Cornerback Amani Dennis for the Philadelphia Stars, 4 tackles, 1 pick, and 1 touchdown. It was a pick 6. And then linebacker JT Tyler out of Princeton. Loved this guy all year. Um, linebacker for the Houston Gamblers, 5 tackles, 3 solo, 1 tackle for loss, and 3 Past deflections, I believe. Yes. Yep. He had a great game, too. But overall, like I said, the scores between these games, the Memphis Showboats won over the Pittsburgh Maulers, 22-0. Birmingham Stallions won 27-13 over the Michigan Panthers. Philadelphia Stars won 16-10 over the New Orleans Breakers. And the Houston Gamblers won 16-10 over the New Jersey Generals. So a really fun week of USFL football, for sure. A lot of really cool plays, a lot of um you know a lot of really interesting storylines panning out teams are falling f- fumbling the bag um at, at a crucial part where you can't be losing games right now it's to that point where we you know you're in that midway section of the year you're honestly past that now you gotta win out if you want to make it and from what i'm seeing um Week seven is going to determine so much, guys. Like this is actually so far the biggest scheduled like week, um, for for all these teams. In all honesty, and excuse me, while I just grab a little sip of water here. But okay, let's go over the games for Saturday, May twenty seventh. We have the St- Birmingham Stallions taking on the New New Orleans Breakers. This is the second time they're gonna be playing. The Breakers beat them earlier on in the year. Both of these teams are four and two. This game will be on four PM on Fox. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Birmingham Stallions here. I'm gonna say it's twenty seven to twenty Birmingham Stallions. Twenty eight to twenty actually, Birmingham Stallions. I think Alex Magoo just solidifies an MVP-esque season, definitely an all-USFL selection for sure, Um, but yeah, I'm going to take the Stallions here, and then for the second game of Saturday, May 27th, the uh, Pittsburgh Maulers will be taking on the Philadelphia Stars at 9pm on FS1, the Philadelphia Stars are 3-3 and the Pittsburgh Maulers are 2-4. Pittsburgh Maulers are in a make and break situation here, where they need to win this game to keep their season alive. If they go two and five, and especially lose at a divisional game to the Stars, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna make the playoffs. And this team did beat the Stars. They did earlier in the year, so I think I'm actually gonna probably go with the Pittsburgh Maulers here. Um, I trust Troy Williams. I hope they don't start James Morgan and ruin this entire season Troy Williams has been having. Um, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Maulers 18 to 10. I think it's a good, good score. Actually, you know, I'm going to go 23 to 17 Pittsburgh Maulers. Yeah, I like that. Then moving forward to the final two games of Week Seven. Sunday, May 28th, the Houston Gamblers will be taking on the Memphis Showboats on a big divisional game at 2.30 p.m. on USA. The Houston Gamblers are 4-2 and two and the Memphis Showboats are 3-3. Three and three. Memphis Showboats can afford to not lose this. They can't. They can't lose this. The Memphis team cannot lose this divisional game. The Gamblers can't afford to lose this, but honestly, with how tight the Southern division is, you if you're a Southern team, you don't want to lose at all. So whatever team loses this, their season might be spoiled. So I'm actually going to take an upset here because the Gamblers stuttered this past weekend, and I think they'll get into rhythm, obviously, and this will be a really good game. But I really like Cole Kelly, quarterback for the Memphis Showboats, and wide receiver Vinny Papali. They have good playmakers on that team, and Derek Dillon just had a great game. I think he's going to continuously emerge. Juwan Washington, you know, as their running back. Kiarith White should be back. I'm going to take the Memphis Showboats here. They've won three in a row. They're going to make it four in a row, and it's going to be 21-10 to Memphis Showboats. I like that. I like that. And to the last game of Week 7 here, the Michigan Panthers will take on the New Jersey Generals at 5.30 p.m. on FS1. This is a big game here um, for both of these teams. First of all, I think this is Michigan's last home game of the year they have to win. Go 3 and 4, you can still salvage your season especially in the north. You can be the second best team and you know, they all the northern teams have really rough records, so like if you can just start winning one or two games, like I think that'll be enough to get one of these teams into the playoffs. But I'm going to take the Michigan Panthers here. Um and I think it's going to be, you know, kind of a tight game, probably you know, probably a little bit of a low-scoring affair, probably I'm going to go 17-12, to Michigan Panthers. Um, I think it's going to be rush-heavy. I think both these teams are going to struggle on offense because both teams' defense is just kind of stout. But I'm going to take the Panthers in that for sure. Um, Definitely check out this upcoming uh, weekend of USFL football. It's getting exciting. It's getting fun. And I think if you haven't tuned into a game yet, you definitely should because the playoffs are coming up soon. In four weeks, we have our our playoff teams and the championship game will be set sooner rather than later. And, you know, after week 10, I want to have a dedicated um, prediction episode for the USFL playoffs, not only player performance predictions, but just, you know, I want to see what bracket we make or maybe each of the crew member does a different bracket. Um, Each crew member does a bracket of their own and we see which makes sense, the breaking it down to scores and stuff like that. That would be pretty interesting to see. But uh, I'm definitely excited about Week 7 coming up, and there will be that USFL uh, and Chill episode coming out a little later, probably this week, or maybe even in a couple episodes, and I'll get Logan and Caden on to get their predictions and their power rankings and maybe their standout players and maybe even their MVP prediction. I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but just something to think about. I definitely value their opinions, especially on this league. It's really awesome to gauge um, football fans' opinion on this new league. And Logan and Caden love football. And, you know, it's interesting to see how they view this league and how they break things down. Um, And I definitely value that conversation, especially if we're able to bring that to y'all out there. And I think this is a perfect way to just say thank you guys so much for the support. And um, thank you for the listens. And follows and we really we really hope that you'll continue to support this show and, and continue to follow us and uh, maybe even continue to learn with us and enjoy the journey for sure because there's a lot that we want to bring to you and, and, and want to converse and discuss and have authentic uh, podcast episodes based on real topics with sports, movies, film, history, you know, our passions and, and obviously our anime and show reviews. There's so much that we want to bring to you guys, and we really appreciate all the support. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter, at Teatime time Reports. And I'd like to shout out my homie Dale's business, Dale's Automotive Cleaning Services. His information is on our Instagram and our Twitter, so if you guys need any information, if you're in the Manatee or Sarasota County area, that man will give you a great detailing on your vehicle. So definitely get that a look up and uh, shoot him a little text. Shout out to you, Dale. Shout out to all the boys out there. And much love to you if you're listening right now. Thank you guys so much and you take care. Peace.